Welcome back to Happy and Healthy. It's your girl, Janina Mopola. You already know. Happy Tuesday, you guys. Uh, so I'm back with another episode, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different. So lately, you guys know I've been talking a lot about dating and stuff, and I want to bring it back because you guys, you know, I've talked about this. My podcast is called Happy and Healthy for a reason. I want people to thrive in all aspects of life, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, physically, and mentally. Um, that plays a lot into food and fitness and health. And so that's kind of why I wanted to do today's episode because I'm bringing on a guest. Her name is Abby Sharp. Um, she's a registered dietitian. She's a YouTuber. She's a blogger. Um, she's a mom, but I found her on YouTube probably about a year ago, and I've been really intrigued by her YouTube videos, and she has such great advice. And so a lot of you guys, since on my YouTube channel, I've talked about fitness and health quite a bit. I love living a healthy lifestyle. I love working out. I love healthy food. I mean, am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. But I love to share with you guys all that stuff on my YouTube channel. So I do get questions a lot about the things I'm going to be discussing in today's podcast. I really do hope this helps you guys out because, you know, food and fitness and feeling good about your body and self-image and all that stuff, social media, I mean, it really does play such a part in our lives and, and, and how we look at ourselves and social media and what we're who we're following and what we eat. And so I really hope today's episode helps you guys out because, you know, I want to feel good about myself and I want you guys to feel good about yourselves as well. And I really think that today's episode could kind of help you out a little bit and can kind of also just give yourself some grace because the diet world, the fitness world, it's hard. It, it's definitely something that is not that easy just to jump into. There's so much nuance that goes into it and it's also so subjective and it's a very unique thing to your life. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and find it um, just beneficial. And let's go ahead and bring on Abby Sharp. Hey guys, and welcome back to Happy and Healthy. It's Janine Amapola and happy, happy Tuesday. I'm so excited for today's episode because I have a very special guest on here today. Her name is Abby Sharp, and I found her on YouTube. On YouTube, She's a dietitian, and she does nutritional videos, and I actually kind of want her just to explain more of who she is. Um, and we're going to be talking a lot about health and fitness and nutrition and just her perspective of being a dietitian in today's day and age because she has some really fascinating videos on YouTube that I personally love watching. And she kind of immersed herself into kind of like the millennial – Gen Z culture and she's watching from afar kind of like what are all the misinformations and misconstrued things that are on the internet regarding nutrition and you know like health and fitness and stuff so I wanted to bring her on today so she can kind of answer some of the questions I've gotten from you guys because you guys ask me a lot of questions as well because I like to post things about nutrition and fitness and health so I'm excited to bring on today's guest welcome Abby how are you today Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. Thank you. I'm so glad we could get you on here. We've been kind of planning this for a bit. And yeah, I've been just watching your YouTube videos for a while. And I love what you're doing because you really are kind of debunking the things and the, the myths and theories that people have about fitness and health. And you're kind of just like, no, this is actually what's happening. Um, so I love what you do. But why don't you kind of just tell everyone who you are and why are you so passionate about what you do? 
Totally. So um, I'm a registered dietitian, um, and I'm a blogger, and I'm also a YouTuber, and my channel's called Abby's Kitchen. Um, and I've kind of built a reputation of being a bit of like a no BS dietitian. So, you know, I'm not the food police. I'm all about dismantling diet culture and busting some of those common nutrition myths that so many people are talking about on from the internet and things like that. So really my goal is to make healthy eating a lot easier and more accessible for people so that they don't feel so overwhelmed with all of the information and misinformation that they find online. That's awesome. And I love that you're, you're, you are passionate about that because I do think it is something that needs to be talked about today because food really is a huge part of your life. It's something that we're all eating every single day. And I think our culture has become so body image obsessed that we're looking at these influencers and we're looking at these fitness influencers and we're like, I want to look like her. I want to be her. But it's so much more that goes into that than just the food or even just one simple workout. And so I kind of love that you're breaking that down. Um, what is kind of like your background? Like, where did you study to be a dietitian? So, um, I studied at a university here in, in Toronto, Canada called Ryerson University. And, and so to become a dietitian, you need to have at least a, um, four year undergrad, and then you have to do either an accredited internship program or a, an accredited master's program. So, um, you know, I went through my, my, um, my internship, I started a, a master's and PhD program in sociology, um, hoping to study the sociology of eating. And as I was going through that, I realized I hated school so badly. And all I really wanted to do was communicate on a mass scale and grow my my blog audience. And then, of course, get into YouTube as well to really communicate nutrition to the masses. Um, I really knew that I wasn't interested in one-on-one kind of um, coaching or consulting um, when it comes to um, uh, working with patients and and in a hospital or outpatient clinic. I I just, I had done a lot of that and it was just not for me. So um, I had a bit of an acting background and a performance background from when I was young. I went to art school and um, I did a lot of kind of little TV stuff and and, uh, stage work and and things like that. So um, working in and kind of transitioning into working into full-time media uh, as a dietitian really just was what made sense for me. I think that's so cool that, that you're able to combine both your passions. Like, and that's why YouTube is such a gift. Like it is so cool because you get to work from home. And I mean, you're also a, a recent new mom. So congrats on that. That's super exciting. Thank you. Yeah. But it's just cool to get to see that you combine both of your passions and I just think also what's so great is that, you know, kind of what we mentioned is there is so much misinformation. It's so nice to have someone on YouTube that is like, okay, here's actually the truth. Here's actually science. Here's actually me with a logical, like legit background. It's not just like, you know, based off necessarily personal feelings or what I think works, but for you, you're able to actually be like, no, I, I've studied this and I know what works and what doesn't work. And it's nice to have that on the internet because there is so much information and there is so many people posting. And that's kind of why it leads me into my next question. So like, there are so many people that are interested in getting to a healthier lifestyle, but there is so much information. There's an information overload, like where can we go and like, who can we trust and how should we like vet our sources? 
Yeah, it is totally overwhelming. I agree. Um, and so my recommendation is when you're reading information online, when it comes to health and wellness um, topics, you really want to take a look at the author and, um, you know, look for a registered health professional like a registered dietitian. Um, you may also want to look to see if the author is trying to sell a particular product or a particular service with the information that they're providing, because that can, of course, um, lend some bias to the information that they're, they're putting out there. And also just look for sensationalized language, black and white thinking, really extreme viewpoints, um, things that don't take into consideration unique individuals needs. Um, because a lot of that information that you find out there that is faulty is so, it's so over the top and extreme and nutrition and wellness is, is not extreme in, in the real, in the real world, when it comes to the kind of things that, you know, us as professionals would be recommending, it would never be, um, for the most part, anything that is over the top or sensational or extreme. Mm, that's really good that like you said it's not extreme because I mean if you you know like the diet pills or the magazine it's like lose weight fast or get sexy in two weeks and and you're it's probably awesome. looking at it like this is absolutely that's crazy not real life. yeah like yeah it doesn't exactly. work like that and it it doesn't work like that. And and if it does, it's going to backfire. So, I mean, you really have to, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, and, and the reality is, is that getting healthy is a long game. It's not something that we can just quickly take a pill and poof, everything's going to be, you know, be fine and dandy. If it was, then we, you know, everybody would, would look like supermodels, of course. Right. So, um, and we wouldn't have a lot of the health issues that we have in our, in society. So um, I really do think it just comes down to almost common sense um and uh, and and looking for those really credible sources. Yeah, that's definitely good. And and I guess like my next question would be, you know, for people that are looking to change their lifestyle, they might be like, okay, I just want to lose weight super fast. Like what would be your advice to people who are new to this who don't have the discipline that haven't been in a routine. Like I feel like personally for me, you know, I've learned, okay, I'm going to live my healthy, healthy lifestyle. I've swapped the foods. I've tried to work out daily, but there's some people that they're so new to this that they don't even know where to start. What would you recommend someone to do if they're just like an absolute beginner? Totally. I mean, I get that not everybody can afford to see like a registered dietitian themselves. So my recommendation is really to bring it back to basics. So if you can't access one-on-one -on -one individualized support, which is obviously ideal because every single person out there is, is different. Their needs are going to be different. Their goals are going to be different. So it's always a bit of a challenge to make sweeping recommendations across the board. Having said that, you know, for, for, for that reason, if you can't access that individualized support, you definitely want to ignore any nutrition advice that you find online that recommends that, you know, you cut out a bunch of food groups or you restrict certain foods. You know, these kinds of recommendations can actually be really dangerous if it's not the right fit for you. And it often isn't because, of course, whoever's writing that on the internet has no idea what your needs are, what your goals are, what your, your body needs, what medications you're on, what kind of um, uh, health issues you may have those things are not even taken into consideration. So I recommend sticking to like basic nutrition one-on-one, -on -one, making small changes that you feel that you can maintain um, and, you know, benefit the majority of healthy individuals. So for example, thinking about filling half of your plate with veggies and fruit, a quarter with whole grain carbs, a quarter with lean protein, and including a source of plant-based fat at every meal. 
that right there often is alone to like that, that alone right there is, is often enough to help people make improvements to their health. So rather than having to think about, oh, I need to have, you know, uh, to worry about this macro split, or I need to worry about this particular micronutrient, I need to count these many calories. I mean, healthy nutrition and, and, and living your best life is really not needing to be that complicated. Your body is so smart if you just listen. And really, all it really takes for a lot of people is just paying attention to the big picture. And so using something like the plate method, which I just described, which is like, you know, how do you divvy up your plate is, is often a really great, easy place for people to start. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. And I've heard that time after time. And I mean, it clearly must work. Um, is it true, though, that you would say, like, even if you weren't to work out every day, but you just swap some foods that you would already like start losing weight and your body could start toning up? It's possible if that's, you know, what, what your body's destined to do, of course. Um, the reality is there's no way for anyone to be able to um, conclusively predict what your body will do with any kind of dietary change. Everyone's so unique. Um, and so some people respond really, really quickly and really fast to particular dietary um, changes and other people not so much. Um, and that's just comes down to differences in, in, in metabolism, um, and hormones and all sorts of things. So there's so many pl like play, play, um, uh, factors at play here. Right. Um, having said that, you know, ultimately diet does play a much larger role when it comes to weight loss specifically. Um, but that doesn't mean that exercise is not important. And in fact, I would argue that it's very important. And that's why we, we, I prefer to focus more on, you know, what is important for health? Well, eating a nutritious diet and moving your body are both really important parts of health. And your body weight often will fall into place just based on you making some of these behavioral changes. Um, but whether or not it even does, you know that if you're getting lots of nutritious foods in your diet and you're moving your body in a way that feels good to you, that you're going to see some of those health benefits. And that ultimately should be the goal. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And would you recommend to someone that's, you know, new, um, would you say, oh, count your macros or count calories or like, do you ever recommend counting anything? I think there's a place for it. And, you know, for certain individuals that is, that feels supportive to, for, for them, but for others, it can be triggering. Um, and also it can interfere with one's ability to really tune in and listen to your innate hunger cues because you're manipulating everything to, you know, based on a scientific calculation. And often those calculations are like based on averages. They are not really unique to your needs. You might find an online calculator that says, oh, you need 1600 calories to lose weight. But that does that, does that internet, does that uh, website really know you and your unique metabolism and your hormone levels and, and your baseline and exactly how much activity you're doing? No, of course not. Um, our caloric needs and our macro needs are going to be different based, you know, day to day, week to week, month to month. Um, not to mention that a lot of people, when they're counting calories, they don't realize that calories on packages can be off legally by 20% plus or minus. Whoa. That adds up a lot when you are strictly following a caloric uh, plan. And let's say you expect that you're getting 1500 calories. Well, tack 20% onto that. And you could completely throw off your 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 weight loss deficit. Um, so that's why I don't always recommend calorie counting for everyone. I fully appreciate that it, it works for people, and I fully appreciate that some people need those numbers. Um, 
for whatever reason. But I also think that for a lot of people, it actually can do more harm than good. Wow. Honestly, I had no idea about the 20% thing. Like, that's crazy. That is something I just learned today that I was like, I did not know that. And so that's like, is that just because it's hard to accurately know how many calories are in something? Or is that just because they're purposely doing it so that they can make more money, perhaps somehow if the calories are lower? (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, ultimately, we hope that food manufacturers are honest, but we also don't know that. And so there are a lot of ways that food manufacturers can kind of manipulate the calorie count on products. So for example, you can call something calorie free, or, or fat-free if it's below a certain threshold of calories per serving. So for example, you often see things like nonstick spray saying it's calorie-free, um, but that's just actually because that the serving size is so small. It's like, I think like a quarter of a second worth of a spray, in which case that, yes, if you go and spray for like five, 10 seconds, you're going to get a solid amount of calories right there. Um, same with a lot of these kind of like low calorie snacks, if the serving size is so small, um, then, then it's going to appear on the package that it only has, you know, it's got zero grams of fat. When in fact, if you eat a normal serving of that, it's going to have a lot of fat. Um, so it's just something to be mindful of that sometimes food manufacturers do that. And all the other times, but you know, the 20%, um, kind of grace, uh, like, uh, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know what you call that, but um, uh, amount that they're allowed to be above or, or, or below of an actual calorie count. Um, it could actually also be because, you know, sometimes when you're doing recipes, let's say it's a can of soup. Well, we don't know if that particular can has more or less chicken than the other can. These are all just averages. So um, it's often just really hard for any food manufacturer to give specific hard numbers every single time. Yeah, that totally makes sense. But it it definitely also it's like, who can you trust, though, you know, because there Mm -hmm. is so many marketing schemes today, like you read the cans. And I mean, you know, this for sure, like the whole gluten free and this and that and you're like, gluten wasn't supposed to be in that anyway. So you're just kind of using that as a marketing scheme. Like I've literally seen like makeup products be like gluten free. And I'm like, why was there gluten in there anyway? Like, I don't understand that. It's so interesting how everything's got to become a marketing scheme, you know? It is. And, you know, you ask, who can you trust? Honestly, you can only trust yourself and your body. And that's Mm. why I often advocate when possible to put the work in to try to learn your body's actual innate cues and needs and hunger and fullness. And these are cues that we've often forgotten because we've been engrossed in diet culture for so long um, that we have like... They basically unlearned those things and and swapped those in for just you know following a certain meal plan or calorie count or macros mm-hmm. or 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 diet. So yeah, I would yeah, say that's so true. <laughs> and I think that's yeah, that's so important is the intuitive eating. Like I started learning to do that because I just felt like whenever I would follow the strict plans or I would follow the counting macros, I would eat this meal and I'd be like, yeah, this fit into my macros, but I'm starving still. Like I'm going to bed starving. Like this doesn't feel right for my body. But I also love that you, again, you earlier were stressing because I'd like to stress this as well, that it is such a subjective personal experience. It takes time and it kind of sucks how long it does 
take because you have to really, you know, invest into yourself, into your body of knowing like, okay, you know, what works, what doesn't. And it, it does take a while, but once you figure it out, it is so worth it. So, I mean, I encourage my listeners always like, just like you were saying, like learn your body, listen to your body because it's your body. And this other YouTuber, she's not going to know your body. Right. And so I think that intuitive eating or just listening to your body is so, so important. Totally. Absolutely. So that leads me to my next question because you know, YouTube, that's what we're both on. That's what you do. And that's how I found you. So, you know, you've been reviewing YouTubers, what I eat in a day videos or just fitness influencers. Like what are some of the things that you're seeing on the daily on whether it's Instagram or YouTube that are making you absolutely cringe as a dietitian? Oh gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, I would say the big one is like the detox cleanse um, fa- uh, phase that we. Well, I guess we, it's not even a, it's not even like a, a a fad. It's like still going. So the reality is, your body is really smart, and if you have working lungs and skin and bowels and kidneys, your body is cleansing constantly. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the whole wellness detox or cleanse thing has really become almost like the new diet since diets for weight loss have almost become taboo or like it's kind of gone out of vogue to talk about diets. So now we're talking about detoxes or wellness. Um, and then the other thing that I think is like, just I'm so over is everyone seems to be so obsessed with this idea of getting rid of bloating. Um, but not because it's like painful or uncomfortable or because of like IB, IBS or IBD symptoms, but because everyone wants to go to bed with this flat stomach and wake up with a flat stomach. So it's like reducing bloating has become the new socially acceptable way of talking about losing weight. Um, and like I said, like there's a lot of legitimate causes of actual bloating that should be addressed by a doctor and by a dietitian. But the bottom line is from what I'm seeing on social media when it comes to discussion around bloating is the need to really start to normalize the body doing normal bodily functions like expanding and contracting throughout the day based on you know what you eat and drink. Those things, that's completely normal. It's completely normal for your body and your stomach to not be flat as a board all day long or ever, really. So I think that's that's something that I would love to see the, um, the, the dialogue shift a little bit on. That's really good. I've actually never heard anyone say that because I probably think I've maybe even contributed to that because I hate feeling bloated. I mean, as you were kind of saying, like, you know, there's other contributing factors to it that you should care about that you should discuss with a dietitian. And like, I would discuss them with my dietitian, but, um, yeah, like I, I always felt like if, if I bloated, I thought that was like the worst thing ever. And so it's interesting that you said that because I've never really heard anyone say that. And so I'm, I'm glad you talked about that. Yeah, I think I'm noticing it nonstop. And, you know, someone I, I also I myself struggle with um, the postpartum uh, IBS. And, and so I, I know the, the, the pain of actual bloating. And, but I think just, just our society, especially through Instagram and social media has completely changed the script on that where it's no longer has to do so much with pain and discomfort and actual like a medical issue. And it's now become more just an aesthetic issue of my stomach looks big. How do I make it look smaller? Mm, so true. And, and how do you feel like YouTube is playing a part or just in social media? How do you feel like they're playing a part into this toxic like diet culture? Like 
How do you think that's really affecting like the Gen Z or the younger kids growing up? Well, I think that, you know, through social media, we see nothing but a highlight reel. And if, you know, if you are not completely secure in your, your, your sense of self, let's, and let's be real, none of us are, you know, myself included. Um, we all have our, our, our challenging days with body image and, and things. And, and social media really perpetuates that because all we see is a bunch of um, good looking, largely white, thin, young women, um, you know, flaunting their, their great bodies, um, suggesting that they've eaten X, Y, and Z in order to look like that. Um, and it's always just the highlight reel, you know, there's, we're never really taken into the behind the scenes of what has gone on to, to get there. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's a lot of struggle. It's a lot of, um, you know, discomfort emotionally, physically, um, you never really, you never really know what's going on behind a photo. So I think that it can be really damaging and not to mention, like we talked about before, these, these, all these tips that are coming out of influencers, um, are, are not individualized. They, they have, they, they really do not, um, uh, take into consideration what their followers actually need. And so if something works for one person, there's a good chance it's not going to work for everybody else. So um, I think that there's a, there's there's often a lack of accountability when it comes to um, influencers and the information that they're sharing, um, and so that's something that I I'm always trying to to make people aware of is that we as influencers have a lot of responsibility, and the information that we share um, carries a lot of weight. So we want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence um, and we're adding in those disclaimers. Uh, we're not making sweeping recommendations for everybody to follow suit. Um, and we're just being, you know, mindful of, of what may trigger our, our, uh, um, our followers into potentially, you know, damaging behaviors. Mm, that's so true. Yeah. Just because, I mean, yeah, with, with influence comes power and that's something that's a great responsibility and it's, it's nerve wracking for sure, because, it makes me think and like have to look back at my stuff and be like, okay, what have I said that maybe wasn't right or maybe didn't help someone? And that's why I, I actually kind of pulled away a little bit from posting fitness and health content because I was like, okay, do I really know what I'm talking about? Like I do live this out. I do try to do all these things and I do show what works for me, but I've always been a little bit nervous to make like final you know, statements that are like, this is how you do it. And so it is nerve wracking because there is a lot of accountability to it. And I never want to like negatively affect someone's like health mentally or like, I don't know, I just that makes me so nervous. Um, but that also leads me again to kind of my my next question. So like, this fitness is not just like a physical thing. Um, and the reason why I started this podcast, because it's like, I want people to be happy and healthy in all aspects of life, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And food and body image is really more mental than people talk about. A lot of the times you're just seeing, you know, on the internet, I'm sure you've seen this too. Just people say like, this is the workout I did. And then this is also the food I ate, but they're not even discussing the mental side of it because it is a very, very mental thing. Um, could you speak more into that of like the mental aspect of it and helping girls or whoever's listening deal with their body image struggles and the mental side of that? 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, in fact, when I was working clinically, we would always say that it's never about the food. It's always about something bigger when someone is struggling with what to eat. And that always brings, you know, emotions and psychology into play. Um, I think when people, I think a lot of people can look at, you know, others with stereotypical good bodies or who have lost or maintained a lot of weight and assume that they are healthy. But first of all, we actually don't know much about physical health from looking at a person's size um, at all. And second, we definitely don't know anything about their mental state that they're in or that they had to put themselves in in order to get where they are. And they may be, you know, the most unhealthy they've ever been because what they're doing to maintain a specific physique has made them so incredibly unhappy and, you know, they feel so consumed with, with you know, um, intrusive thoughts about food. Um, and so for me, I know that, you know, if I were to want to change my body and get like a six pack and get super lean, I could do it. I know physically how to do it because I'm a dietitian. I know exactly what it takes, but the amount of time and energy that I would need to devote to that and take away from other important areas of my life that bring me joy, like my family and food, I love food. You know, for me, it just would not ever be a worthwhile trade that, that physical, that, that physical look, um, for my happiness. So I just feel that my happiness is worth a lot more than how my body may look in a bikini. So we talk about things like um, orthorexia, which is a eating disorder characterized by um, kind of like healthy eating taken to an extreme. And so even though somebody may look really healthy and their diet may look really healthy, the optics may all be really good, their blood work may be really good, emotionally they could be really struggling. And uh, and, and I think that uh, that we need to basically put a lot more of emphasis into that as an important indicator of health versus just what somebody's blood work looks like or their body looks like. Mm, That's so, so true. Yeah. I never really thought about that. Like just looking at someone, you could be like, oh, they're so healthy. But in reality, you have no idea what they're going through or what they did to get there. Um, That's such a good point. And so you would say like, or what would you say like for the girl that you know, she looks at herself in the mirror and she's like, oh my gosh, like I'm either so fat or I'm overweight or I see cellulite or like, I don't look like that. Like, what would you say to kind of help that girl? Where would, where can she start? You know, it is so hard trying to get that, that start that relationship with food can be a real challenge, especially if you struggled with um, body image for so long. I do always recommend um, if, if there are body image concerns to, to try to access some therapy, it can be a really long road otherwise. Um, and, uh, and I think that having that support system can be really, really important. Um, but you know, social media, if that is a trigger for you, spend some time cleaning up your, your, your social media platforms, because that's where a lot of us are, are getting this information. A lot of people are getting that, um, uh, the, the kind of constant bombardment of these, these, uh, fitspo and, and information that, that may or may not be supportive to your health and happiness. So I always recommend doing a quick cleanup and anything that does not feel supportive or makes you feel bad about yourself, um, or you're bad about your body or makes, you know, triggers, um, kind of disorderly eating tendencies, get them out of your feed. Um, I know that seems like such a simple thing, but it actually, that's, can be really meaningful because that's kind of the, 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 the ecos that's our, like the ecosystem that we're living in. Um, we're just surrounded ourselves by this social media society. Um, and these are the voices that we're hearing and seeing. So 
I think that, you know, people say, ask me all the time, like, you know, how do I stop binge eating when, you know, I want to lose weight still and, and I keep, uh, try to go on a diet and then I'm going off the diet because I just keep eating, you know, how do you start that relationship with food? And I always say the biggest predictor of a binge is restriction. So the best thing I can advise anybody is to actually stop dieting, stop restricting. And again, I know this seems really counterintuitive at first, because if you're trying to lose weight, um, or you're trying to watch what you're eating, people feel that they're afraid of letting go of the reins because, oh my gosh, I'm going to eat all the donuts. I'm going to eat all the things. Um, and the reality is when you do let go at first, you, you probably will overeat, especially if you've been heavily restricting for a really long time. Um, but soon after, once you've kind of gotten, given some time to this and you've, you've had some time to practice, um, uh, the, the, all those foods that you feel that you're binging on or you're overeating, they actually lose their novelty. They don't, they lose their allure because you know that you're allowed to have them. So I actually have a really great series on my YouTube channel called Intuitive Eating that helps walk people through the 10 tenets of the intuitive eating process to kind of get people going on this process. Um, and I also talk a lot about intuitive eating and mindful eating in my book, which is called the Mindful Glow Cookbook. Um, but it really is a bit of a process and it starts with kind of rejecting the diet mentality and that kind of overwhelming desire to, to kind of, um, uh, to diet and restrict. And that often for a lot of people, it means you need to kind of get some of those voices out of, out of the way, out of your feed, out of your, um, immediate, uh, uh, kind of like acknowledgement. Reach. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you just gotta get it, get, just fill your feed with supportive, um, voices if that's going to help your journey. Mm, I think that's so good. I mean, that's actually what I did. I, I honestly struggled following like super skinny lean girls because I realized that my body is not like that. Like I have hips, like I just do, I have a shorter waist. And so when I would see, you know, girls with these long skinny hourglass figures, I would be like, why do I not look like that? And so, yeah, I did the whole social media cleanup as well. And I'm really happy I did because yeah, now I can follow people that actually are science-based that do post really great things. And it really does help. And it's just crazy to hear again, how much social media plays a part in this. It's so crazy how positive and also how negative it can be. Um, and I also just love that, like the, the whole binge eating thing, or just, you know, having a good relationship with food. I mean, it is a process and something that I think my nutritionist taught me as well, which maybe you can confirm or, you know, see what you think about this. But she was also the one that kind of told me, she was like, you know, the reason why you're binge eating is because you're not giving yourself your body what it actually needs. She's like, stop like limiting and giving yourself these tiny meals because you think you're going to lose weight. Because then when the nighttime rolls around, that's when all your sugar cravings come out. She was like, just eat a satiating meal eat a sweet potato, mm -hmm. add some veggies, eat something. She's like something that's going to keep you full for the next two, three hours. She's like, then you're not going to binge. And I did that and it actually really works. So when you're just like, again, listening to your body and actually giving it what it needs, it's crazy what can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a very common um, issue that I see all the time is people are under eating so severely. They put themselves into you know, this, this feeling of physical deprivation. And, you know, like we talked about kind of health and happiness earlier, but the mental and the physical, you know, people can feel either physically deprived or 
we, we feel this sense of emotional scarcity. So even if you are not physically starving and physically hungry, maybe you're limiting what kind of foods you can have. Maybe you're only having low carb foods, you've cut out carbs, or maybe you cut out um, you know another food that you really like. So even though you're eating enough like calories, because there is this idea that, oh, X, Y, and Z is off limits. It creates this sensation, this, this idea in your mind of this mental scarcity that I can't have this. It builds it up. It builds up its value so intensely that of course you're going to binge. The moment you get your hands on it, you can't stop yourself. And then you get into this last supper mentality where, you know, it's like, oh, well, I've got to eat all the things now because, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be back on the diet. So we often see that kind of play out at, um, at holiday meals and things like that, where, you know, you you know, oh, this is, this is the last time I'm going to be able to eat this pie. So I'm going to eat the whole pie. Um, so if we just allow ourselves small, mindful, um, treats and, and food that we actually enjoy regularly, they won't have so much value to us. And therefore we won't feel the need to overdo it on them to a point where we feel sick and ill. Um, and when we, when we do get our hands on them. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So it's basically just kind of like a, a balanced lifestyle, which is what everyone always says that it's just like a balance. Um, how do you feel like realistically, like throughout the week that healthy balance looks because I mean, for someone like me, like I love to eat out. I love to have a margarita every now and then, or I, I love ice cream. Like what does that healthy balance look like realistically to you throughout the week? So it, everyone's different in terms of how they want to structure their life. So, um, for some people that might mean like, you know, every day having a small treat, like whether that's a, a little a bowl of ice cream or, um, you know, a small chocolate bar in the middle of the day or like a little donut or like a croissant, like eat like the, the Europeans, they have a croissant every day. Um, and for others, it might mean like they, you know, also we have to think about like financially, like not everyone can afford to eat a, 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 a big, um, over the top meal, restaurant meal a couple times a week. So, you know, maybe that means like one or two times a week you get to eat out. And of course, we don't all have control over what comes in restaurant food. So there's going to be probably more salt, more sugar, more fat than what would be in something that we make ourselves. And we're just going to enjoy it. And, and so whatever that may be, whether you love your wine or you love chocolate or you love ice cream or everyone's going to have something different that they get really excited about, why not just factor that into your day um, and, you know, just move on. Don't make a big deal out of it. And I bet you, if you were an ice cream holic, let's say, and you start having ice cream, small little bowls of ice cream every single day, you won't think it's that big a deal anymore. You will not feel the need to go plowing through a whole massive pint of Ben and Jerry's like several times a week, every single time you get your hand on them. It just will lose its it's a novelty factor. So it actually happens pretty quickly. And once you get into the, the routine on those things, you can easily have all of those quote unquote treats in your house, in your pantry, in your fridge, in your freezer, and not feel the need to binge on them. So, you know, everyone's going to have um, something, something different. But I think the way I always recommend is that make sure you're eating enough calories in the day that you feel satisfied from meal to snack to meal and you're not starving yourself all day so that you can save up, quote unquote, save up for that treat. Um, and then work the treat in. It's, you know, you're going to find that you're, you're able to feel much more satisfied on small amounts of your favorite foods if you're allowing them, if you're allowing yourself to have them regularly.
Mm, such good advice. I could not agree more. I think that's so good. And it's like reframing your mind of like, oh, this is such bad food. And because that's what everyone says, like, this is good and this is bad. And then when you're, it's like stuck in your mind that this is bad, then you feel super guilty after you eat it when you shouldn't feel that way. You should be able to treat yourself every now and then. Um, but something really quickly before we kind of start clo- closing out, um, you kind of mentioned a little bit like, what if you can't afford a, a trainer or you can't afford a dietitian? Like, I have, you know, my followers that are younger, they want to live this healthier lifestyle. They want to work out or they want to eat healthier, but they don't really have the resources because they're living with their parents still, or they're balling on a budget in college. Like what would your advice be to people that, you know, think, oh, you have to have a lot of money to eat this organic food or go to this bougie gym. What would you say to people that, you know, maybe aren't as financially stable that still want to have this lifestyle? Yeah. Like I mentioned before, like, let's bring it back to basics. We know that incorporating more fruits and vegetables into our diet and fewer processed foods or hyper-processed foods are going to benefit our health. So I always say like, try to make just small little changes that you feel like you can sustain in the long run. It doesn't need to be fancy. You don't need any crazy expensive powders or supplements or, you know, really, um, you don't need to have a trainer three or five days a week. It's that we can bring it back to basics and find really kind of, um, uh, uh, like basically you can find lifestyle changes that you can sustain in the long run. So um, I always say about, it's about meeting people where they are. And my approach is always behavioral, not necessarily what's on the scale. So, because ultimately, like I said before, you can't always control what is on the, what's going to happen on the scale when you make certain um, changes. So people always say, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. That's not a goal to me, but because we can't actually control that necessarily. We can't for sure say you are going to lose exactly 10 pounds. We can't do that. What we can do is control our behaviors. And so if you're eating more vegetables, you're eating more fruits, you're eating more lean protein and whole grains and healthy fats, and maybe you're moving your body regularly, generally speaking, the weight sorts itself out. So I like to focus on behaviors for one. And I also like to focus on what we can add to the diet rather than what we take away. And I find that this mentality shifts us out of that scarcity mode that I talked about, um, which also can help prevent those binges and the overeating and just generally us getting into an unhealthy relationship with food. Mm, I like that adding and not taking away. It's, it's more focusing on like, here's what you can do versus what you can't do. And I think that's just like a reshifting of your mindset. It is a reshifting. And because when we think about what we can't do, what do we do? We want it more. So, uh-huh. um, and that's just human nature. We, you see that even with, with kids, you see that with teenagers, when, when mom and dad say yeah. you can't do something, what are they going to do? I can tell you, for, I can tell you, cause my kid will always do the opposite of what I say. So, um, yes, you, you definitely want to start thinking about what can I do? What can I have? What, you know, what can I add to this, this to make this more satisfying and more satiating? Think about the positives rather than all than the negative. I love that. Okay. So moving on to my last question, uh, what makes you happy and healthy? Well, my family, you know, I've got two beautiful boys who are absolutely hilarious and I'm of course so proud of that. And, um, and I love food. So I, you know, I have always loved food and I love experimenting with food, cooking with food like you. I love going to restaurants. Um, but I also love feeling good, like feeling my bo- good in my body and, and feeling like I'm moving my body well and feeding my body well. Both of those things are acts of self-care that allow me to enjoy my time with my family. 
And once you let go of diet culture, I think you're better able to get in tune with what feels good to your body and not just what you, you know, what to do to your body to make it look a certain way. So for me, I would say that those are the things that really have helped to um, improve my health and happiness. I love that. So why don't you just let my listeners know um, about your book and then where they can find you? So, um, yeah, my book is called the mindful glow cookbook. Um, you can find it on Amazon and, um, major, major, um, uh, retailers. Uh, you can find me at Abby's kitchen, A-B-B-E-Y-S-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com. Um, and also of course my YouTube channel, Abby's kitchen. So my blog, we've got lots of great nutrition, um, resources as well as tons of healthy recipes. Um, I've been blogging for a a decade. So there's tons there. And then also, of course, my YouTube channel, there's a lot of really fun videos. And we do a lot of myth busting and a lot of kind of critiquing uh, popular uh, wellness diets and um, wellness YouTubers and things like that and what they have to say. So lots of fun to be had there too. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I want to go check out your blog because I'm always looking for new healthy recipes. So definitely can't wait to check that out. But thank you so much for joining me on Happy Happy and Healthy. Um, I just know this is going to help some people out there just because, you know, food and fitness, it's a part of our daily lives. And so I really do hope this helped anyone listening if they're struggling with body image or, you know, anything that we talked about today. So thank you again, Abby. I really appreciate your time. And I will see you guys next Tuesday. Stay happy and healthy. Bye, guys. All right, guys, I hope today's episode helped you out. I hope that this gave you some things to think about and hopefully that you do feel more secure and confident and ready to take on this next endeavor if this is something that's new for you. Um, Again, you can always let me know what more you like to hear on my Happy and Healthy Instagram page. I definitely have some fun guests I plan on bringing on, so keep staying tuned for um, episodes every single Tuesday. But I, as always, appreciate you guys listening. I hope um, December has been going well for you that you're in this Christmas spirit because I definitely know I am. I got all my Christmas decor up and watched a Christmas movie last night and everything of that sort. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. It's been a joy and I will see you guys next Tuesday for another episode and stay happy and healthy. Bye guys. Bye.